You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. So with that, let me um, turn to our last message in the series that we've been doing about how to draw closer to God and, and to feel His presence and power at work in our lives. And I begin with this illustration. John Cassis, former pro baseball player turned pastor and motivational speaker, was for 12 years one of the chaplains for the Chicago Bears. Now, he served in that capacity during what we might say the heyday of of the Bears teams um, in the 1980s and early 90s, and he would give short talks to players on game day. Well, John, being around the facilities quite often, was there and he tells the story of head coach Mike Ditka, who was about to deliver a locker room pep talk. He looked up and he saw defensive tackle William Refrigerator Perry, if anybody remembers that name, and who could miss him, 338 pounds. This was 35 years ago when the players weren't all 338 pounds. So he really stood out in a crowd of pro football players back then. And Ditka gestured to Perry and said, okay, when I'm finished, you lead the Lord's Prayer. And Coach Ditka began his talk. Meanwhile, Jim McMahon, the brash, outspoken quarterback, nudged John Cassis and said, Look at Perry. He doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. Sure enough, to look at him, there was panic all over his face. His, his, his head was kind of resting in his hands. He was sweating profusely. And yet, John still said to Jim McMahon, he said, everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. A few minutes after watching Refrigerator Perry leak several gallons of sweat, Jim McMahon nudged John Cassis again and said, I bet you 50 bucks Fridge doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. John Cassis, in telling the story, said, we had to stop and and just think of the absurdity of this. We're sitting in chapel and we're betting 50 bucks on the Lord's Prayer. Nonetheless, when Coach Ditka finished the pep talk, he asked for all the guys to remove their caps. He nodded to Perry, and he bowed his head. A few moments of quiet. And William Refrigerator Perry began in a shaky voice, Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. At that moment, John felt a tap on his shoulder. It was Jim McMahon. He says, here's those 50 bucks. I had no idea Perry knew the Lord's Prayer. I share that story to make this point. It's the natural response, isn't it? To try to cover up what we don't know with our best guess. It's the way life is for a majority of us Christians. We figure that being a Christian is just to, you know, invite Jesus in so we go to heaven, get baptized, and show up at church on occasions at least so that Maybe we're somewhere in the middle of all that, doing something that God would be pleased with. But that falls so short of the life that Jesus offers us. 
We aren't to simply be hanging on until heaven, but rather ushering heaven into our world today. That's why every week of this series, we've been gaining a fresh understanding about the nearness of God and what it's like to be in a powerful relationship with Him now. And today we want to conclude with the overall mission of Jesus. That mission is to bring God's presence and power into our lives. God wants the world to be transformed through Jesus Christ and He uses us. God wants his kingdom to be alive and active in our world. In fact, in the prayer that Refrigerator Perry didn't pray, Jesus taught that we're to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does Jesus mean when he talks about the kingdom of God? If I were to give you 30 seconds to turn to somebody near you and do the best you can to explain to them as concretely as you can what the kingdom of heaven is all about, how would you do? Is it a piece of cake? Is it a walk in the park? Would you do it in your sleep? Or would you say, you know, the answer wouldn't readily come out. I'd probably fumble around a bit. In my own Experience, most Christians don't have a great deal of clarity as to what the kingdom of heaven is all about, and there's good reason for it. We can barely imagine it. Even trying to think, what would this earth look like if God's kingdom were to really come to it boggles our minds. What really is happening in heaven that if it were to come to earth, wow, what a, can we even begin to imagine what that would look like? The good news is, Scripture speaks of an enormous amount of what God's kingdom is about and what it would look like to be under God's administration. So what if God's kingdom reigned on this earth? After all, that's the way it's supposed to be. Listen to these two verses from Mark chapter 1 that lay the foundation for our theme. After John was put in prison, that's John the Baptist, Jesus went into Galilee. That's the region in northern Israel around the Sea of Galilee that Jesus spent a majority of his time in his ministry, and he proclaimed the good news of God. He said, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. This is God's great desire and plan, and it should be our prayer as well. So today, we want to look at some primary images from Scripture about heaven on earth, about God's kingdom reigning here today in our world, in our lives. What would it look like for God's kingdom to come? What would it look like for God's will to be done here? The Bible is going to talk about this truth, and it encompasses several different aspects of human life. So we want to take a look at six different aspects of human life, and what would it look like if God's kingdom were to come into that sector of our lives and of our society. So first of all, we begin with the realm of economics and human need. What if God's kingdom and will were done in that area of our lives? 
John writes in Revelation that in the city of God's kingdom, when it's fully realized, never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. This isn't just about ending poverty. Scripture writers foretold of an overflow of abundance that would occur in this world when God's kingdom was evident. The Old Testament prophet Amos, writing centuries ago, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter, by the one treading grapes. What Amos is doing is using imagery, what the earth would look like if it were redeemed from the curse of Adam and Eve's sin. That the one who plows and the one who reaps will bump into each other because there's that much of an abundance. Amos goes on and says, New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills. That doesn't mean that there's literally going to be Chardonnay pouring from the Blue Ridge Mountains. But it's about an abundance of God's abundance. Let's go into another realm. What would it look like if God's kingdom were here on earth in the realm of politics? which in our history is mostly the story of human conflict. There's always something going on in the Middle East between countries. Disputes across borders in Asia, warring in Africa. And the story of human conflict is alive right here in our nation, among our communities. But Isaiah looked forward to a different time. He, that is God, will judge between the nations and will settle disputes between many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. We won't be using swords, so we'll turn them into farm equipment, and there'll be peace. A third area. What about the realm of true beauty? John saw in his vision, it's captured in Revelation 21, of the street of that great city. The street of the city of God is paved with pure gold. Surrounding the city is a wall with 12 gates, and each gate is made of a single pearl. In other words, in the kingdom of God is a place where the human hunger for beauty is fully and finally satisfied. No more pollution, no more run-down inner city buildings. The creative genius that God has placed in His people, made in His image, is, is going to blossom and flourish, and every day will be like a masterpiece. Like the drawings that kids give their parents to hang on the refrigerator. These will be the works of art like Michelangelo and Van Gogh and Picasso. They already look like Picasso, so we'll go with Van Gogh and Michelangelo. When teenage girls in that city look at magazine covers and look in the mirror, they'll say, I look just right. Because society would have learned to see and celebrate the beauty that God sees when he looks at all of his people. Regardless of the shape and size and color, every one of them, when they look in the mirror, they'll say, I look just right. God does not intend this to be at some far-off time. 
today in your life, the kingdom at work in your world. Another area of human life. So the fourth realm, what, if, what would God's kingdom look like in the realm of security? John puts it like this in Revelation, because in the kingdom of God, there is no fear. In Revelation 21, he talks about on no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. In biblical times, of course, we're talking no electricity. So nighttime was extreme darkness, a time of fear, a time of vulnerability. The city gates would be shut at night to protect the city's inhabitants from marauders and intruders. But what the Bible is saying is that in the kingdom of God, those days are over. No more locked doors or gated communities or security systems. You won't ever have to worry about losing your keys because you won't need any. Police officers will pull you over and commend you for your civility and, and your, your courtesy to other drivers. A fifth area that the kingdom of God will redeem is in the area of family life. As John the Baptist was to prepare the way of the Lord, it said that he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children. No more separations. No more divorce. No abuse. No neglect. No unloved or unwanted child. Members of a household will stay up late thinking of ways to serve one another. Children will insist that their little brother get the largest piece of cake. You will turn on the TV, and if something similar to Jerry Springer were still on, you would turn into an episode that's entitled, My Spouse Loves Me Twice As Much As I Thought They Did. And then there are the most beautiful words from the kingdom in Revelation 21, and this is our sixth category. What would God's kingdom look like in terms of God's presence? Again, hear from John in his revelation. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Think about these words. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. And every day you will be at home with God, never separated by sin. According to the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel, God promises, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your old heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. No more stony hearts, cold hearts, stubborn hearts. You'll never say something you'll ever regret. You'll never do anything you're ashamed of. 
When you see someone else's success or beauty or wealth, it won't occur to you to be envious. Every tribe and tongue and people and nation will gather like brothers and sisters around the throne. And you who hear my voice, understand this, you will see the face of God. No more doubts. No more questions. No more wondering why. You will look into the very face of God and He will be your God and your every thought will be a prayer and your every prayer a conversation with God. That's what it would look like if God's kingdom were to come to earth. And for you to understand it and want it is a very important thing. But if you're like me, there's a part of you that wonders, can this really be? Is it possible for this earth to be redeemed? Will the day ever come when God's will is fully done? Is this real or is it wishful thinking? Well, you need to know Jesus' whole message was about the reality of this kingdom. That was his whole message. That's the gospel. When Mark summarizes the gospel that Jesus proclaimed, you heard this earlier, Jesus says, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. And when Jesus says the kingdom of God is near, he's not saying, well, it's getting kind of close. He's saying it's now available. In all of human history, only one life has been lived on this earth in the flesh in which God's will was done unhindered. That life was Jesus. Jesus bore in his own person, in his flesh and blood, the reality of the kingdom of God. Then he says to the people of his day and to you and to me that this life is now possible. See, this is the gospel. It is now possible for every human being to live into the presence and power of God. You can do this right now. And if that's something you want to take on, it's the greatest offer you'll ever get. And if you want it more than anything, Jesus says, just follow me. Be my fully devoted follower, and you will learn from me how to live in my Father's kingdom. You see, Jesus cast the ultimate, most compelling vision the human race has ever heard. And when men and women received it and understood it, they devoted their hearts to it. They sacrificed their possessions for it. They sacrificed their careers for it. They sacrificed their homes for it. They lived for it, died for it with joy, thinking how amazing is it that we get to have the kingdom available to us. Now, here's the big question. How will it happen for us? How will the kingdom come? How will this fallen earth get set straight? People have been trying to do it on human power alone for a long time. Revolutions come and go. Governments get overthrown. People still have hatred for each other. Wars still continue. 
hearts are still like stone. Sometimes people think that if we just are clever enough about economic growth, it will ride this wave of, of, of lifting us from despair. It hasn't happened. Sometimes people think it's a political deal. Let's just get our person elected. Well, so far the kingdom has not come on Air Force One, and it never will. So how will the kingdom come to earth? Amazingly enough, it starts with prayer. We begin by praying, thy kingdom come, which basically means, God, let up there come down here. The kingdom is where people shamelessly adore and serve God and are freed from their sins. And they never cease from doing the things that God wants. That's the kingdom. You see, if you want to experience the closeness of God, if you want to know the fullness of life that Jesus offers, a life with Him, it begins in prayer. You first pray that the kingdom will come in your life and in my life. God, your kingdom come, your will be done, starting right here, starting in this little piece of your kingdom. And then you pray, your will be done on earth in my life. And realize that a part of that might mean I'm ready to endure, God, whatever I need to. Because even in the suffering, we can experience the nearness and care of God. It also means, God, may I become the kind of person that does your will from my heart. May your kingdom come on earth in my life. Let me be a kingdom bearer, not just a kingdom prayer. Let me be a kingdom bearer. Now, let me ask you, what would it look like? What would it mean for the kingdom to come, for God's will to be done in your life? What would that mean where you work? What would that look like for God's will to be done in your life relationally? Maybe it means sacrifice. Maybe you're here today and you're in a relationship and you know it's not honoring God and you know that relationship is not God's will, but you've not been wanting to do anything about it. Well, maybe that's today then. Today is character time. The closeness of God sometimes begins with a voice of conviction calling you to, to, to remove the idols and the weeds so that you can experience more of the fullness and power of Jesus Christ active in your life. I'm asking you to pray to God, all right, God, your will be done in my life. Your will, not my will. With my children, my marriage, my career, my friendships, your will be done. Let me ask you, what would it look like financially to pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in my financial life? Maybe it would involve some serious sacrifice. I don't know. Your kingdom come through the resources you've given me? Friends, what a powerful prayer that would be. And you need to know that the God who desires to be with you is right now looking at you and his heart is welling up with love for you. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you fall or fail or stumble 
It doesn't matter if you achieve great things or you don't achieve apparently great things at all. You are chosen of God. You have been declared holy by God. You are beloved of God. And when you made the choice to belong to Him, you began the journey of learning that God's kingdom is here. And it's a whole lot closer than you think it is. And God is closer than you think. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.